Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Ming and Mike Show. Uh, this is an abrupt departure from what uh, Ming and I usually talk about, and an abrupt departure because Ming's not here. That's you're welcome. Um, so you can put on if you if you want, Brian. All right, you don't want to. All right, good enough. Your, your hair is perfect. So uh, I'm joined by two very special guests and. Uh, I think you'll get the gist of what we want to talk about, or what I want to talk about, uh, as we go along. But um, to my right is the inimitable Brian Johnson. Yeah, that's me. What Mike that, said. That's him. He's like inimitable. I'm. Does, does that mean? Does, does, is cool, that good? Really. That's cool. Yeah. And down at the far end is uh, he's he's stepping up to the podcast table for the very first time in his life. He was our showrunner. Oh, yeah. Did you just? Pop just, that cherry, man. And popping One, two, that cherry three, right here. Four, it hurts. And, uh, until he's sore. And his name is Brian Nichelle. He was the showrunner for AMC's comic book, man, for seven seasons. Uh, season two, he wasn't there for the whole time, but he came in and saved our asses with the editing process. Brian, welcome to the podcast table. And why don't you pull that microphone so close to you, you got to get up and, and like... Okay. There you go. I'm a little shy with this microphone. Hello, Hello Michael. Hello, you? Brian. Nice to see you in this setting. Yeah, I miss you. Greatest seven seasons of my life. You've been around us podcasting so much, yet never sat down with us at the table. It's you funny. have been invited. I don't. Does he? Yeah, I've invited think. him to. Mm-hmm. Con- yeah, I sell comics. Yeah, and the Ming and Mike show. Actually, yeah. this morning show. As long did you were you like as long as it's an abrupt departure from the Ming and Mike format, I'll come down and do it. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want. I didn't want the stink of the Ming and Mike show. I sell Good, comics okay. on me because I eventually feel like I'll have a career in podcasting since they canceled our lovely show. Uh, right. You, you don't want people to look back and be like, "Well, what was he doing before when he first started out?" And they would be like, "Wow, I would rather get Weinstein than." be on the fucking show with Mike and me. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was and I invited it. Brian Johnson here. I, I, You know what? Have at it, Brian. Go to town. You know, there's no stopping you. Right. Yeah. So I'll just say that Mike and Brian are professional talkers, and they, they do this uh, for a living, and they're really good at it. So I hope I can keep up. I'm usually, uh, you know, behind a, uh, a monitor watching them be the geniuses they are so hopefully i could add a little something here that was fun with michelle the show would not have been the same without him absolutely not no way well we we got a taste of that during season two so and season two was a stressful time um shit was i gonna say i was just gonna say something about fuck this is the part you're gonna have to cut out because i can't remember what i was about to say all right well that's cool (laughs) so um actually the reason i um called you boys here and this is it was um, Brian. You asked me, Brian Johnson. You uh, you asked me like, why the hell did you want to do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's because uh, part of it was uh, I was someone tried to bully me into doing this on a podcast on their podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Got I'm not bullied. gonna I'm not gonna name names. Oh, you, oh, you're kidding me. Of course, I'm not gonna name names, but. People who know me and can read between the lines know who it is. Was it that one with all the black guys where you were admitting to eating ass? No, 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 no it wasn't that, that one. No, 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 that was that was no, it was a different one. All right, and and I was doing that in solidarity, man. And yeah, hell yeah, yeah I better say yeah. I hope yes is the right answer. <laughs> but um, we were some guy came. He said, you know, I want you to share your your story. Your your alcoholic. I know story. Who you're talking about. Yeah, you okay, do. I know who you're talking about. And I, you, you know, you're gonna come on, and you're gonna. I'm like, no, I'm not. 
I said, why would I? Kevin. That's you're talking about. (laughs) No, it wasn't Kevin. Um, But, and I was going to say something after that, but no, no, it wasn't Kevin. It was. um, I know, it is somebody who is trying to exploit your. Yeah. Human frailties for his own gain. Yeah, for his own and his own evil doers around like that. No, I can't. There are, yeah, right. (laughs) So, um, but I'm like, fuck it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it on my own podcast. Right. And I'm going to, you know, screw that noise. You know, I haven't had a drink in 22 years. So, and I'm pretty, pretty fucking proud of that. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. So, uh, and I went to AA for a while. A was good for a while, but now it's like, who was there? <laughs> so uh, I will what be. Names? I will be. Yeah, exactly. I will be tweeting out a, a list of names. Mm-hmm. You watch me uh, tomorrow. Zapsic. Mike Zapsic ends up uh, suicide. He was now, on suicide watch. Were you uh, court ordered to go to no AA? No. no, my life had just gotten to like the worst possible point. Mm-hmm. I was 29 years old with no prospects, job. Just- Nothing. Try being 42 and then suddenly get a TV show. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank God. And as a matter of fact, I did. I did try being 42 and get my own TV show. Thank you. So 29, you're about to hit the big 3-0. You've done fuck all in your 20s except drink. Drink and uh, have a mediocre career in the restaurant business. Yeah. And that was it. And, you know, I would quit jobs before I could get fired. I was always good about, you know... Hey, I can tell these guys are. Were you drinking on the job? Uh, the last two years, yeah. Like when you were chefing? Yeah. yeah. I used to wait until after, like in my early to mid 20s. You know, you wait for your shift uh, to be over and then you just get blotto. When I was 14, we worked in a restaurant washing dishes and it would be like you get there at five, you'd be there till like two in the morning. And yeah. we would just take beer from the bar and just drink constantly. It's the only way you could tolerate such a mind numbing job. Yeah, yeah. That is to be wasted and throwing hot water all over each other. Yeah, it, it, it breeds it. That restaurant business breeds it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, there's lots of grab ass and alcoholism and drug use. In yeah, the and there's a couple industry. of guys now that are, you know, paying the price for those kinds of shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. In the city, guys that. I, I used oh, to know in the playing city. grab ass? Yeah, playing more than grab ass, you know. Oh, uh, you've heard of the, the infamous rape room. A rape above room. The, the, the pink elephant, I think it is. I'm not disclosing anything. Yeah, it was. Uh, it broke a few months ago in the wake of the Weinstein wow. uh, case. Wow. Pink everything. elephant? Pink elephant in the city. Is that downtown? I, I may have. Yeah, I believe it's on, it was on 11th Street. I, said, I think um, I walked past that one time. Pink elephant. Is it pink saw elephant? Saw some shenanigans going on you, yeah and apparently you know now um, Tom Foolery waitresses if that's a term can I say waitresses or must I say servers Ser- no waitresses tour. is fine yeah I, they, I, would have, they, have they would uh, they were com- kind of coming out of the woodwork and there was apparently surveillance cameras and uh, um, shit I don't want to get sued but it's been out in the news these chefs uh, you know and, and restaurant owners they had a little rape room and they would have parties uh, up there like, like, a, like a date rape type yeah kind of like it'd like come up and party with the, the big guys and oh. you're not leaving without some stuff happening mm-hmm. wow and then they kind of spilled it and uh, those guys are did it not tip them off when they walked in and it's like wait that one that says rape room <laughs> private parties That's only yeah, what's going on a lot on? of deadbolts on that door yeah yeah, so that all is to say, that restaurant business for years, you know, yeah. there's a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, and a lot of grab ass, like Brian Johnson says. Oh, yeah. Right. If you ever read or listened to uh, Kitchen Confidential by uh, Anthony Bourdain, he pretty much, you know, tells it like it is. You know, you would, you'd be on 
you'd be out of your mind on um I, I never did drugs but i was always like a boozer I, I, for me drugs had they didn't hold any cachet but it's true sorry bry but uh, booze uh, was great for me you're like oh it's shiny uh, no, no I, th- I thought i heard that poster move i thought i heard like air <laughs> it's not it's definitely not i thought maybe it's gonna get cooler any any time now. <laughs> oh, I'm, that's the I, mescaline kick. I, I, I did turn on the uh, the air conditioning, so yeah. it should cool down in a little bit. So, yeah, uh, we're in the not the pink elephant, spotted pig. Oh, spotted pig. Yeah. Is that oh. every, every replace pink elephant with spotted pig? Okay. Wow, that's the name of the joint. That's gotcha. and yeah, if you're gonna go and work at the spotted pig, you know, I'm not saying you get. Or is it like a, like wordplay, like spot a pig? Like and then bring them up to the rape room, right? Maybe of they course. have that whole thing. Yeah, like dinner oh. for schmucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um. You. Uh, so when when did you start drinking, Mike? Like when when was it that you were like, all right, now I'm like, you consider yourself a drinker? Uh like, God, my I, I had my first drink and I got had my first drunk when I was like three years old. Which was really weird because I don't remember it. Single I mean, digits. Uh, yeah, I know. Wow. But um, <laughs> when I I first consciously said I need a drink, I was like fourteen. So I was in high school. We would uh, go out and we'd we'd uh, hang out on the weekends, and you know I would raid my father's liquor cabinet and put it inside you know inside a jacket. We'd go out and we'd hang out. My a uh, couple of my friends had. Uh, uh, they built like these kind of fortresses in the woods, so we're sitting there drinking and hanging out and looking at playboys. Looking at sure. well, n- yeah, there jerking was off. jerking, yeah, jerking off for sure. Uh, later on, no, I, <laughs> for me that's a solo sport, but whatever. Um, but yeah, we would we would uh, you know Friday and Saturday nights we go out in the woods. And, I don't think that was that uncommon at that time, right? You're uh, you're younger than us by like a couple years, five years, six years. How old no, are you? what year were you born? 67. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, 70. I'm 70. So. Oh, so you're only 3 years younger than us. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. so no. so roughly that same time, but like that was not uncommon like being in 8th grade and like just there's nothing there was nothing to do. No. Yeah. And like cause you didn't have like video games or you would stay home or chat online with your friends and you all couldn't. that shit. You're like the alternative to going out is staying here with my parents and that's not really an alternative <laughs> so I'm going to go no. out and what's there to do when you're 14, 15 you're not supervised you have access to uh, your dad's liquor cabinet or fucking pills or whatever pills weren't really huge that I remember when I was in high school then. No, it, was, it was mostly drinking right? yeah a mostly ton of drinking and then where I grew up there was a lot of rich kids that lived in the buildings the high rise buildings and they who you had the rich parents or the rich divorced mom who got you, a great settlement you grew up north of us yeah in Fort Lee yeah. over the George Washington Bridge so those kids um, and I didn't hang out with those rich kids but they stole a lot of cocaine from their parents so there was like the rich kids in my town were doing a lot of cocaine and drinking at like 14 oh my god wow that's nuts okay yeah, and uh, and they were you know they would have parties and everyone would come over and everyone knew whose parents went away all the time and who had tons of blow at their houses. But I didn't hang out with that crew at all. You know, it was more of what you describe out in the woods. Were you from the other side of the tracks? Like they wouldn't let you join the reindeer games. Totally from the other side of the tracks. Yeah, there was a there was a there was a rich element in my town, and then there was like a section of town called Coitsville. And that was Coitusville. Nice. Uh, it went on. Uh, I know. Well, that's where, where we live. <laughs> Huh. Um, 
But yeah, but drinking was uh, it was just expected. It was if there wasn't like a rite of passage anywhere. It was a rite of passage, and those are those kinds of like false benchmarks. There you go. Yeah, false benchmark. Oh, I like you've, that. Re- you've reclaimed that word. Correct. Of manhood <laughs> that they put in front of you. You know, I remember being 11 years old at my sister's Sweet 16 party, which was just in our house, you know, the two-family house we lived in, and I was out on the terrace with the guys, and they were all doing shotguns. Remember, you shotgun a can of beer? Of course. I was 11 years old. I was shotgunning cans, cans of Budweiser. Um, and it was great. And it no one seemed like liquor was fairly accessible when you were young, right? It, it was never not accessible. Whoever thought about where it came from, it just came from. Or you could wait out in front of the Seven Eleven and ask whoever went in. They weren't afraid to get you booze. Like today, to get someone to to buy you liquor as a minor. Like if someone came up and asked me, I'd be like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" <laughs> yeah. No, but no, no, no. You don't understand. I'll give you ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would never. Not only like, are get you, the fuck yeah, away from yeah, me. Yeah. Like I don't yeah, know yeah. how is to set up this. Is. Exactly. How many kids got their little iPhones out right. filming it? Is it, you're setting me up to to, to to you know get hits on YouTube with this shit? Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. get the old guy to buy us booze and right. Let's ruin his him. life. <laughs> that. I keep my hands in my pockets, just yeah. literally and metaphorically. My hands are in my pockets. I'm not getting involved in anything and. Don't bring your shit into my world, and I'm going to bring my shit into your world. Exactly. Back in the day, it was easy to do that. It was easy. You know, you went up to, you know, uh, my my friend in high school, His he had an older sister, and she was dating guys who were like, yeah, I'll get you booze. What do you want? Or you get the, the older kids from the neighborhood, and they'd, you know, collect their, the money, and they'd get you like a couple of 40s, and you're like, this is great. I think generally people drank more. Like, did all your parents, did all your friends' parents have liquor cabinets? Shit, yeah. I don't know if the liquor cabinet is still a, a staple in everybody's home. We had a liquor trolley table. Remember those? Oh, that's what's the, cool. 70s liquor yeah. trolley. Uh, yeah, yeah, like Don Draper's uh, office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or uh, in fucking Bewitched. Yes. They drank all the time, and she would wheel out the little cart and like, <laughs> like a, an airline stewardess and like, who wants what? You know, right. who wants like, a martini? When did, when did people decide? Like, you, you watch shit like Deadwood. They're just pounding drinks at work all day. The boss is right there like, hey, pour three drinks for us. Yeah. And, and it got to into the 80s, I guess, when it's like, all right, it's not re- like 80s into the 90s. 80s was like the three martini lunch and <laughs> shit. Remember, that was like a big right. thing. And then into the 90s, I think they're like, you know, all this drinking during work is causing a lot of lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, lot, a lot of people jumping off buildings. What's people going on with that? People are doing uh, their best work. Uh, it's enough with the cigarettes. Now they're drinking, too. Yeah, I guess it's... Uh, yeah, who just frowned upon? They're they're shamed. I think yeah. it was the they're shamed. <laughs> I think you're right. It was the the advertising agencies are like got milk. Who the fuck came up with this? Got milk. You or some jerk drunk off. Genius. Some yeah, some <laughs> drunk millionaire now. I mean, what is it really? I mean, there's no question that it's you know ingrained in the fabric of our society, ingrained. But I think that as the ramifications of it uh, are coming to light more and more every generation. People just say enough's enough, and they curtail it. Of course, and it becomes uh, it becomes a forbidden thing, taboo, know? if you will. Nobody cared if their fourteen year old was drinking. You know, my mother's attitude was, "I'd rather have you all drinking in my house, where I can keep an eye on you, and you're you're not driving." Although everybody drove when they left my mother's house, anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, that was the attitude. I know what they're doing, and now I hear people in my town where i live now talking about oh my god those parents they let a they let a party happen in their house with 
booze. The kids were drinking in it. And it's, it's, it's a step away from pitchforks and shovels and torches going to that person's house when, you know, a generation ago, that was everybody's house. Exactly. There were bad parents. There was no scarlet letter for letting that happen, but it's so different now. Yeah, I remember getting off of that same job, dishwashing, and I was like 14, 15, and I go over to my aunt's house at like 2.30 in the morning, drinking beer and making eggs. And I, I, But again, like, can you, you, you have a young daughter and you have younger sons. Can you imagine, like, at 15... Her coming home from like some waitressing job, you're like, "Hey, man, let's get wasted and eat some eggs." <laughs> it seems insane. It seems insane now when you look back on it. It's incredibly insane. Yeah. My grandmother was in um, a an old folks home. It, it was like an assisted living, uh, Luffman Towers in Lincroft. It was right across from uh, my grammar school, and I used to go over there because my father would lay in a, a couple of six packs for her. She would drink a beer every like three months. And I would go over there and just drink all her beer. I was like, hey, Granny. Hey, Grandma, Grammy, love you. Let me me throw this question out to you. This is a question I often ask. Can you point to anybody's life, to anybody who you know whose life got better because they either started drinking or continued drinking? No. Drinking, no. Drugging? Absolutely. Really? Okay. You think I'm sticking to the that's, drinking? That, that's that's the only time my life got better was once I was taking pills. Like that seems like when everything sort of took off. True, but I'm not I'm not crediting the pills. But when I got off them, Comic Book Man did get canceled. So yeah, oh. but not no. It was it was a couple of years later. I don't know. If we my handlers had kept me drugged up, <laughs> you were actually doing your best work towards the end. So. You're much funnier and much that, quicker. That's true. I was going to yeah. say, you know, the, the show, you know, you didn't see, it's not like you were taking pills and then you got really motivated and started trying to get yourself a TV show. <laughs> yeah, true. Like the show <laughs> ran you over. You know what I mean? That's true, yeah. And, and, and I did notice a difference with you from season one and I don't know, and season two, I wasn't in the, the stash much. But, I just but did you the were watching. podcast yeah. I was watching. Um, but when you got sharp, when you kicked pills out of your life, your wit, which I already thought was just magnificent and genius and unlike anything I'd ever seen before, I was blown away with it, the way oh. your brain operated. Yeah, I'm tugging at him now. <laughs> um, but when you got off the pills, I, got, I saw filming. that shit like on steroids, not to mention another drug, but I, I saw like <laughs> the wit that I thought. <laughs> you could tell it wasn't by how fat I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was amazing. I did see it. And I, I and I appreciated it. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like only, it's so obvious. But only looking back now, and it's a thing that keeps me away from. Like since then, have I taken oxy? Yes, I have. I had a operative kidney stones, and I had a minor operation, but it didn't make me like go and seek more. It was pretty good. But I just remember what that was like and the scraping for fucking money and the fucking, oh, is the dealer going to show up? Oh, why isn't the dealer showing up? Now I'm dope sick and all this. It's so, especially since at that point, you're not even feeling anything good. You're just trying to not feel bad, you know, that whole thing. So it's like, what would I be going back to? Like an ex-girlfriend who cheated constantly and was emotionally abusive. I ain't gonna do that either. <laughs> you want to talk about her? Okay, yeah. that, that's that's another that's another podcast. As usual, I think the the wisdom comes from uh, the mouth of Brian Johnson. Oh, well, that's amazing! You. No, because <laughs> if you know that, like you have a lot, you have a lot going for you. So you recognize, I don't want to live in that sort of state of 
pity and self-pity and withdrawal from society. You know what I mean? Like you have a ton to, Yeah, you have a ton to offer. And if you recognize that and you're smart enough to see it, then you know what? If, if you, your knee's fucked up, you've been injured and you need to take some oxy for a week, I don't know. You can handle it. Some other people may not be able to, and they won't do it and because they'll go back. They won't take you know, medication for a root canal or something. And, right. and you got to know yourself. I mean, I haven't drank any booze in 17 years, all right? Congrats. Thank you. That's a a milestone. You know, I I could take, I could have a beer right now. You could say, drink it. And I could drink that beer right now. And I'd be fine. And I could tell you right now, I wouldn't want another one. Because I know so well the difference between drinking Brian and non-drinking Brian. My life when I drank was okay. It was all right. But then when I stopped drinking, everything got better. And I saved the stuff that was on its way out. I mean, you know, I had several wake-up calls happen where I, I finally had to look down and sit down with the therapist and say, you know, I've got lots of issues here. And he's like, yeah, you've got one issue. It's drinking. And I'm like, no, it's not. This happened to me and that happened to me and this happened to me. It's like, okay. Try this, Brian. Try not to drink for a week. That's all I'm asking you. If you don't think it's a problem, don't drink for a week. And I'm one to take on a challenge. And I was like, all right, can I curse? Can I say that? Fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. So I was like, fuck you. I can do that, you know, with my eyes closed. And I did it. And really, like two days in, I was like, oh, these are feelings I'm having. I'm seeing <laughs> yeah. stuff. I'm- Outside of anger. Right, yeah. right. What's up know? with that? That yeah. was weird, having something other than anger or... Um, like self-loathing. That's that's what it was for me, and I think you and I talked about it, Bri, uh, that hole you try to fill. And that's, you know, I did that with, with booze and with, you know, women and with sh- just Mike shit. out there fucking tapping ass in the restaurant industry. <laughs> it was not pretty. Poking it was, honeys. It was, uh, <laughs> it was awful. And, you know, just because you, you'd feel like shit. Well, it, like I look at where I hear the stories that you guys tell and my life never seemed to be as sort of like, cause I wasn't really that level of angry when I, cause Oxy doesn't allow that, you know, whereas anger, I mean, uh, alcohol will like fuel that shit, you know? Oh yeah. You guys should have just taken pills. You would have been totally fine. I mean, that, that's why I've got, you know, I mean, I don't have, I, I, booze is, I think without question, and I've said this to my kids. I don't think you could point to any other drug that's had more of a negative effect on society. It was so bad. And it's so readily available. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they exactly. banned it. It was a, it was a ridiculous, you know, yeah. the, the way they went about it was absolutely horrendous and ill-planned. But it was so bad that, like, all the women of America were like, no, 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 no like, more beatings. We are beatings. getting our ass kicked on the rag, man. Yeah, this is not gotta cool. got to stop. <laughs> it has bred. Can you imagine that shit? Wow. So much destruction. It has just bred a path of destruction in so many lives um, that, you know, I'm not ever trying to save the world. And I'm never preaching. I don't, I'm not carrying a picket sign for anything. I, I learned long ago. You don't have the answers. I don't. We don't have the answers. No. I have them for me. Right. I know that, you know, drinking Brian is a volatile Brian. Drinking Brian could not be a good husband or a father. You know, my kids have never known me as a drinker. And I was in trouble. I would get nasty, yeah. you know. And back then, nobody cared. I'd have friends carry me home at 14 years old. And all my mother would say is, 
you remind me of your grandpa Irving. You're a mean drunk. And I'm vomiting <laughs> on myself. No one cared. There was no, like, God, jeez, we got to get Brian into a program. <laughs> you know, it took Brian a long time to figure out, like, this isn't good for me. And as soon as I put it away, and, you know, like we were talking about earlier, Mike, I didn't get involved in 12 steps. I didn't go to meetings. But, you know, fortunately, I'm not going to say I did it all myself, but I did. I, I white knuckled it a lot. But I was able to afford a good therapist who I, I would talk to for, you know, a few reasons and sort stuff out. And that dude saved my life just because he held up a mirror to me. And he said, try life without drinking and see what happens. And I didn't miss it at all. In fact, I was like, holy shit, I feel better. I'm thinking clearer. And you guys know me. I like to be on point. You know? yeah. I, don't want to, I don't want my guard to be down. And only good has come. That's all I say to people when they say, I'm thinking about stopping drinking. And I say, listen, you have nothing to lose because the way I see it, I've never known anyone. And that's why I asked you the question. I've never known anyone whose life got better because they started drinking or kept drinking. It's yeah. almost like you can only say that about weed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right? yeah. Like any other substance, alcohol included, seems to be addictive or fuck up people's lives. Uh, but weed does seem to have that effect where it's like food tastes better, sex is better, music is better, you know. Um, because it, you, you can take it, you don't get addicted, it wears off rather quickly. It's not like ecstasy where it's like, oh, wow, now I'm in a, you know, in a depression for two days or in a K-hole from this ketamine shit or any, you know, or any number, you know. My, I got one nostril because I did too much coke. Uh, pot is really the only thing that, that you can point to and be like, it doesn't really make anyone's life worse. I can't, I can't comment on it. I know it's everybody talks about it and does it. I haven't. In, I mean, maybe since, you know, high school or, or I, I was never a, a pot guy. So and I know it's different. I hear there's so much talk about it, but I, I, I kind of have to stay out of the pot conversation, I think. Yeah. Although I will say one thing about it. I mean, I look at all of it, whether it's, you know, gambling or overeating or whatever it might be as some form of of escapism, some form of hiding Self-medicating. Something. So what would happen if you took it away? You know, what would your life be like if you took it away? Do you have, now you have a joyless life and food doesn't taste good and sex doesn't taste good. <laughs> right. and, sex you know, doesn't taste good. It, wow. it's, it's too much to ask, I think, of any human to do that much work. If you have something that doesn't make you violent and interrupt your life and disturb the people around you, then I think that that's your thing. You can do Go that. Go to town. Thing. Sure. Why not? As long as it doesn't keep you waiting for like three hours. You know, that's, no. you know, we, we, sitting we, around a podcast table. We, we can't all be Walt Flanagan level zen, right? Mm. Where Now you're talking about somebody who's beyond human. Next level, right? Like, yeah. That he's, he's the only thing that makes me believe in the uh, Scientology shit. I'm like, maybe he's one of these fucking volcano gods or some shit, you know? He's, he's something. <laughs> it's entirely... I've never met a man who needed... N not he he didn't have that hole to fill in his oh sure life. he did that's why he bought so many comics well it but it's so different that's just that's more of an obsession than anything else Walt is uh, I mean you, I'm sure you guys have talked and analyzed about Walt I, I talked about Walt the other day because I was talking to some new you know TV characters that I had you know reality show people and I said there was only one person ever in my career doing this like 25 years who was seriously unaffected 100% by being on a television show for seven seasons. Mm -hmm. Walt is the same. So, so not Ming? Not Ming. <laughs> as you know, can't hold up Ming to that standard. 
But there's nobody else I ever met who didn't let it affect them at all. I mean at all. There's degrees of how it affects people. How would you say it affected Mike? I'm curious. How would I say it affected Mike? Huh. That's a good question. I think, uh, from what I know, and I didn't know Mike beforehand, I think it gave Mike more confidence in who Mike is. You know, I saw Mike grow over the seven seasons into somebody who felt more confident in his opinions and maybe, you know, and again. And his hair. <laughs> and my hair, yes. Yeah, confident enough to show up one day all gray. Look at this silver fox motherfucker now. Yeah, you know, so that, that's what I saw. I think it affected Mike in a good way. In a positive? It, absolutely a positive. in a positive okay. way because I think Mike got the affirmation from a large audience of people. Maybe the affirmation he didn't get from his dad. Or his yeah. brothers. It's or tell him Steve Dave. <laughs> you know? <laughs> or his friends and peers and colleagues. <laughs> yes. But the ones that he bet else. All those women he got drunk and fucked. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, they meant I, nothing. I have to tell you. Dead <laughs> <laughs> From the HIV. I, I saw... I'm a I carrier. Saw, I saw a family come in to the stash, like season six or so, and stop. They saw Mike was doing... He was working. He was just doing his day at work and I saw this family of four stop short and whisper to each other there's Mike there's Mike there's Mike go talk to him go talk to him go talk to him and they went up and spoke to you and one of them I can't remember if it was the mother or the father was in tears walking back that she just met Mike Zapsig Ah, so is that because nobody else was there or that is, yeah, because <laughs> Mike didn't Brian really Johnson. <laughs> I wanted to be Brian. <laughs> so, see, this is the kind of shit that I get. <laughs> that's what I love. <laughs> it's you, man. It's, it's all coming back now. I know, like that's what he wants from me. Of course, so yeah. Yeah. he's like, I really fine. don't, Bri, but you know, whatever makes you happy. You can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not getting paid. There's no check coming for your insulting your friend. No, I got to keep sharp. I'm waiting for them to uh, for them to restart comic book men. AMC will call any day now. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, hey, AMC. guys! We saw the podcast with uh, Mike and uh, Brian and uh, the showrunner, and we we want you back. Yeah, not so much talk about the grab ass. And yeah, <laughs> seriously, can can we keep the uh, the pig and the poke out of there, or whatever the fuck it's called? Yeah, like not so much slander, I guess. Yeah, no, no more that. rape room, you know, talk. But oh, I guess yeah. we did get a little deep on that stuff. That's true. Hey. That's what's going on. Hey, though. that's and what a podcast is for. Like, you would think it would be the other way around, but like, whenever we're out, Mary Beth always watches my drink because I leave stuff my phone, my wallet, my my drink, all that shit. I just, like, I forget and I leave it there. So she's constantly watching it. But I'm like, who's going to waste a roofie on me? You know? know. Some of those demented like, fans I don't, from like, the cons. If I were to be like, okay, I need to buy a roofie. I wouldn't know where to start. So they have to be kind of difficult to acquire. And it would be like kind of like if I'm like, dude, do you know where I can get a roofie? You'd be like, no. And why would you ask me? Like, like it's offensive almost, right? So you have to be very careful when you're roofie shopping. Where do you get a roofie? Is it a prescription? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I can't imagine it is. It has to be like a... It's like a street like, type thing, right? Yeah, like, like ecstasy, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Mal- yeah, something yeah. synthesized, right? Yeah. Let me just quickly Google on uh, the shared universe IPS where to find roofies. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Zapsic. Yeah, like within minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm not here. No, it's Ming Chen's on this one. No, now, Mike, you did go to AA. I did. What uh, made you decide? Were you like, I'm not as strong uh, as the bros? No, well, what happened was you drink for, you know, X amount of years and it's... It's a social thing too, drinking. 
It was. Right? It, it started out social, and then it ended up as antisocial, as antisocial as you can get, because I fucking hated people. I was locking the doors. You know, a knock on the door meant somebody was coming to do something bad. Or to give you some news you don't want to fucking hear. Exactly. And I didn't want to hear any news. I just, it was, it got to the point where I hated everyone. I didn't want to deal with anyone. And um, the only thing I wanted to do is drink more. It's it's a lot like pills. The, the only thing you want to do. There was no, um, wow, this is, a, this is a great buzz. There was either you're completely blackout drunk or you're uh, hungover and you never want to see this stuff again, but you know you're going to start drinking in about 10 minutes once you start, once you stop vomiting and can hold stuff down again. Uh, that's what I, I like. I don't like the taste of alcohol for the most part, unless it's like a real like sissy drink, like some with an umbrella in it. Um, but it was always like the volume that it would take to get someone drunk. I'm like, I can't drink that much fluid. It's just too much. Right. You know? So. Like, I didn't do a lot of, like, smoke a little pot in high school, but then, like, almost all through my 20s, really didn't do anything at all. Like, I hung out with Walt, teetotaler, and Kev, right. who wasn't drinking. Um, and then it was only in our 30s that, like, Kevin got into drinking beer and shit, so, like, we would drink at his house sometimes and hang out and play po- uh, blackjack. And then he got into the pot, obviously, and there's no need for any right. other substance. Um but yeah, drinking is a social thing and weed is a social thing. Pills are not a social thing. If it's like if if somebody's like, "Hey, can I have a hit off that joint?" Most potheads will be, like, "Yeah, sure." It's like, "Oh, hey, can you spare half a painkiller?" It'd be like, "I'll I, fucking kill you. Yeah. Get away from me, man. I will like, rip out no. your heart." And you could have a thousand pills stored away right. and you would still be like, "Nope, sorry. So I don't have uh, enough. I'm out. I'm out." Yeah, cuz the, then they would just start bothering you, you know? Right. Cuz even okay. if you had a thousand pills, you're like, Fuck, what happens when... That's like, only a thousand... Yeah, yeah right. one thousand one. When, when I, that comes when I, around, yeah, then I'm in trouble. Yeah. Fuck this guy. You know? <laughs> but, that's, but you get to that point where you, drinking is the same thing. Because you become like an antisocial motherfucker. It's very isolationist, you yeah. know? And that was where I found myself, you know, early on in you know, living with who came to be my wife, we'd be living together and she wasn't a drinker at all. But for me, normal was, you know, listen, I'm going to have a bottle of wine with dinner and I'm going to watch TV and settle down with my old friend, Jack Daniels. And, and that was it. I wasn't out partying a lot. You know, it was just like I was chilling out. I was getting ready for bed. I was lulling myself into sleep. Unwinding. Yeah, but more and more, you know, I, I think what you notice is even if you're not doing anything when you're drinking, like some guys drink and beat their wives. But drinking and ignoring your wife, it, I wouldn't say just as bad, but it's a problem. Yeah. You know, so I drink and get into whatever I'm drinking, whether I'm drinking and reading a book or whatever, but you're cohabitating with someone now. But it became this very isolationist thing I would do. I didn't see that, any of that till I just like cut it out of my life. But looking back on it, I always say to her, like looking back on what it was like to live with me, I don't know you know, how you stayed with me. I mean, we have a very long story and a long history. And, and, and now she's like, I don't know either. You know what I mean? You're just young and 20. I guess I'm in it, you know? though. <laughs> you do, but, I made my choice. I got to stick with it. I'll save him. You know, but but do you feel that, Mike? That it's, it, it you know, and that's what you're describing. You become this island unto yourself. Like, I'm just here and I need my booze and my book or my record, my Tom Waits albums, you oh, know? absolutely. But for me, it was like, I, I think, 
the last two years for me was nothing but I, I lived in constant fear. Fear of everything. Like paranoia? Like real paranoia? Like, well, like I said, the knock on the door was something, somebody coming in. Or somebody would find out that... Um, you know, oh my God, because I so, used to hide my bottles. So yes, paranoia. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I, it went beyond that. It wasn't just like paranoia, like, oh my God, who's there? It was like this deep rooted fear. And it took me years to get rid of that. Even after I quit drinking, that was, it was still there. Like there was, uh, I, I tell this story all the time. There was, um, uh, I got caught uh, driving on the revoke list. Not DWI. I, I had one of those, but I caught driving on the revoke list. It was like my third time because I just didn't want to pay. I, I don't want to pay bills. I, I want to use that, that money for booze it, and, and you also more booze. everything go. Exactly. Because I couldn't like, I be bothered. Fuck about anything. I, could, I, I couldn't be bothered. But, you know, I would blow off court dates because it's like. Fuck it. I, I, I'd rather stick my head in the sand than have to deal with this shit. You're like, I'm in this deep. Well, how much worse could it get? Exactly. And uh, it took me two years to clean up the, that kind of wreckage of my past. I had to, you know, there was, a, there was a, a bench warrant after my arrest in Red Bank. I was living in Red Bank. On a park bench. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but benches. The benches. Everywhere the, I turn, there's benches. Exactly. Bench but, marks. No, no. Even after I quit drinking... You know, I was, um, before I, I moved out, I, I moved in with my dad, you know, because nothing says grown up and awesome and a fucking prize, you know, ladies, you know, yeah. drop your no. panties. This guy lives with his parents at 29 yeah. and try, he's got no try, job. Try 45. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And look at the girlfriend I got. Well, they, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> it worked out for you, my friend. Yeah, you, I'm telling you, I need pills? more pills. A little bit different. <laughs> But everything was just fear-based, and I was afraid, and I, I was dating uh, my wife, Julia, at the time. Uh, the lovely Julia. The lovely Julia, and, I, and uh, I used to, you know, it was kind of a joke for us, but, like, uh, I'd ask her to marry me, like, every day, and she's like, she finally looks at me, and she's like, you know, I'm going to tell you why I say no, and... Uh, your hair might go gray. Yeah, because <laughs> if your hair goes gray, you're going to look <laughs> fucked up. Um, no, she said... Because you refuse to deal with this huge, you, you've got to take control of your life and get rid of this, you know, you, you've got a bench warrant out for your arrest in Red Bank. You work in Red Bank. We live two towns away from Red Bank. Just, you know, have at it. Get done with it. You know, face it. And, you know, you know it's time to man up. I'm picturing Ray Liotta and Goodfellas, you know, just getting in the back of the car and that take me to jail. Yeah, now take me to the music. So I swear to God, the next day I did. I went down to the Red Bank. I'm like, fuck this noise. All right. I'm like, I went down to Red Bank and I said, I'm here to turn myself in. And I did. And they're like, well, okay. Did they strip search you? No, no strip. No, nothing. I just, the only thing I did. He's like, have you ever heard of the rape room? (laughs) (laughs) Never heard of the spotted pig. So I, I pulled out a check and I signed it over to him. And, you know, they're like, all right. That's your bail, seven hundred dollars worth of bail. Congratulations, you'll be we'll be in touch for your court case. So I was driving on the suspended list for the third time, and that's ninety days in jail, or thirty days in jail. I think it was thirty days. So I'm like, fuck. And I, I looked at uh, Jules. I'm like, I might have to go to the the who's gal. Yeah. And she's like, you can deal with it. Was thirty it that days. Jail at Wild West City. <laughs> oh, that, that would have been great. I would have loved that. No, it would have been county. 
So, you know, and I would have been taken out and put on the chain gang. And I swear to God, whenever oh, yeah. we used to drive by those guys in the DOC bus yep. in the orange jumpsuits picking up garbage, garbage on the side of the road, I'd be like, convicts. Mm-hmm. And she's like, because it was whistling past the graveyard because that was going to be me. And I, uh, I decided I was going to throw myself on the mercy of the court. And I even told my, my AA sponsor, I'm like, I'm, I finally did. He's like, hey, I'm proud of you. I'll, I'll, I'll come. You gotta face the music, Mike. You so know, I that's did. part of being a man. Well, I now did. You partied for fucking ten straight years. Now you want to just skate? Exactly. You responsible so, bastard. I, the day before I was going, I get a call from my brother. My brother's a lawyer. He says, "What the fuck are you doing?" I said, "What are you talking about? I'm cleaning up." I deserve you know. to be punished. <laughs> he's like, he's like, "What well, is some self flagellation in there?" Like a little bit, yeah, yeah of course, because you know, this is it's it's that cleansing process. And he's like, "Don't be a." Don't be a martyr and don't be a fucking idiot. He's like, I will be there. Like, you know, we'll we'll straighten this out. If you got to go to jail, you got to go to jail. But it's not because you're gonna fucking defend yourself. We'll you moron. yourself up. Right? Yeah, right. So we went in, and it turns out that the guy that gave me the ticket was kicked off the force a year earlier for pulling a gun out in public uh, when he was drunk. Ah. <laughs> Ironic. And uh, so I just had to pay $300 contempt of court charge, and they gave me money back. Wow. You got your life back because he ruined his. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A little schadenfreude, right? Oh, I love it. So, yeah. yeah. And it was that simple. And But if I had not done it in the way that it that I did it, I probably would have had to go to jail. Got to face the uh, You got to face the music. the music sometimes. And, you know, it's... And that's that was like that turning point that nothing is ever as scary again. Nothing ever has been. I mean, you know, we faced homelessness. You know, in the wake of it, in the wake of Sandy, we I, it was not even a consideration to start drinking again. Start feeling sorry for myself right. because when that's you saw all your toys floating away. That's you all my like, toys. Let me take a little nip. No, not yeah. even not even a little bit. And was no because they still sell them those nips. Remember those Budweiser nips? Yeah, but nips. Oh, they, so, yeah. I bet no. you they do. Eight pack of nips, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was our go-to. Actually, we <laughs> yeah. were um, we were green grenades, but uh, I, I used to love Rolling Rock. Um, you know what that reminds me of, Mike? That story reminds me of. Uh, uh, I read Eric Clapton's autobiography, uh-huh. and you know he's a hardcore drug addict, alcoholic. Oh my and, god, yes, right, hardcore. It's Eric Clapton, and um, he though had a, a, a great passage in the end where he you know describes how his son fell out the window and died, and that is when he knew that he was solid in his sobriety because he didn't use, he didn't yeah. drink, he didn't do drugs. And he just lost his son. And that is when he felt like, okay, I am good. You know what I mean? And not that he got cocky and, of course, no. he doesn't want to get you know ahead of himself. But that uh, was the moment for him. Yeah. So if you can face adversity, you know, it's, um, it's different. I remember some hardcore traumas that happened in my life. And I drank my way through them. Yeah. I drank my way through them, but I hadn't gotten through them. Right? I drank, I drank it away. Okay, and I was no you looking back, I was no use to anyone around me. And since then, I've dealt with things not drinking, and it's a whole different world, you know, feeling it and living with it and processing it. And for me, that's if anybody asks, and again, I never go out and you know present uh, a sobriety talk to anybody. Just all I can do is talk about my own experience, and I've seen life both ways. And for me, drinking uh, was so normal throughout my entire life from 11 to, you know, 30 or so. 
um, that I really thought that was normal, totally normal, and that's how you deal with it. You know, your your friend gets his brains blown out, and you know, before your senior year in high school, well, let's just get drunk and stay drunk for the the remainder of senior year, yeah. and get fucking crazy, right? <laughs> Um, so that's what we did and so on and so forth and shit like that would happen unfortunately and that was my answer because I felt like that's what I had to do because you know what guys we grew up with that I need a drink this happened bartender give me a drink it's like yeah. it's or sort of stuff your effect. feelings yeah don't men don't cry stuff your feelings or drink them down and you do it but it's yeah it's, we you cry know, all the time <laughs> you know uh, the, the, the final note on that is you know dealing with those uh, the way I dealt with things then difficult things traumatic things then um was sort of a form of escapism and the way i've dealt with them since you walk away from that experience yeah you feel the pain more maybe but you also feel like you dealt with it like a man you know what i mean i felt dealt with that shit like a man because you deal with it without any numbing it's like getting surgery or getting dental work without any novocaine and that sometimes that's life sometimes life hurts like a motherfucker so if you can face it and deal with it and work through that pain as opposed to numbing it i feel like you walk away and you look back on it and you go i fucking manned up and dealt with that and i guess what i was there to help all the people around me instead of isolating myself and wallowing in self-pity that's where it came from for me and i you know i had a great therapist and you know lucky for me i could afford to see a dude who was great and kind of became my jedi for you know for drinking and for lots of other things that helped me become a more fully formed human but um you know with without any of that you know, I would have continued down that path of not really knowing who I am and the people around me not getting the benefits of me knowing who I am and being able to help them through shit. And being self-destructive. Yeah. 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 I, so, I'm in total agreement with you. I, you, can, you put it better than the first, like, ten chapters of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's it. You man up. Fuck Bill W. I think so. <laughs> What's he got on Brian the show? <laughs> Nothing. Did he ever do seven seasons of the world's most amazing television show? No, he didn't. Think so. Did he even do one season of any television show? No. And and who ended up uh, portraying him on the big screen? It was James Woods, for Christ's sakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one What more do you need to know? Yeah, right? James Woods. How long have we been going? Uh, going for 46 minutes. We okay. can wrap it up. This really? is perfect. I was going to tell one more. Yeah, go story. to town. Yeah, there hasn't been enough Brian Johnson in here. Oh, no, this Brian, who's never done a podcast before, so excited to be doing a podcast that I can shut well, the fuck up. No, he, this he's, is he's great. Out there. He's out he's, he's dropping nuggets over I know. Here, it's man. amazing. You're doing great. You could, could be like an inspirational like Tony Robbins type guy. You know, shorter. <laughs> but He was yeah. paying some grab ass wasn't he he was playing some grab ass he got busted <laughs> recently Every look look the way the world works is people play grab ass yeah you can't get mad 20 years later when you're like I was in it at the time but now I look back and through a different lens I'm like oh hey we I shouldn't have played grab ass it's like no that moving forward nobody play grab ass right right but Howard who cares yeah. about Howard Hughes being a guy who played grab ass. Of course he did. Yes. He's Howard Hughes. That's the kind of shit that is driving me crazy. And I think that same uh, uh, philosophy applies to like Molly Ringwald watching 16 Candles and saying, it's inappropriate. It shouldn't have been made. It's offensive. You know, Wait a minute. She said that? Offensive. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Molly Ringwald questioning all the John Hughes movies. They're unwatchable now. They're so offensive. Fuck it, you, Ringwald. Some of them are weird, though. I mean, yeah, it's weird. not going to stop me from watching it, but, like, yeah, the end of Weird Science is, is strange. 
Um, the end of Sixteen Candles is really oh, strange. Oh, that was really strange, <laughs> what, yeah. Well, what's strange? Sixteen Candles? Well, he... He's the, waiting, the waiting, waiting on the porch. The boyfriend basically lets Michael Anthony Hall oh, bang his chick. She's so, yeah, that was, she's but, so out of it. But oh, he that. sold her for a pair of panties. Yeah, that, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't a fair deal. I'm just saying... <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, but I think but that she I, did say she somehow thinks, although she doesn't quite remember, that she uh, enjoyed it. Mm. She liked it. Well, she she kind of did. And she even says, I kind of did. Revenge of the Nerds. Totally unwatchable oh now because God. these people, everyone the fucked up. Booth? Oh my! Well, not just the kissing booth, but um, that that's my pie. And oh, it's also yeah. rape if you're if you're wearing a Darth Vader helmet and right. pretending, oh, pretending to be pretending to be somebody else. else. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's rape. So unless you're pretending to be Darth Vader, then it's acceptable. <laughs> all I'm saying is, yeah, they, they all seem weird now because there's different rules. But there's no nobility in Molly Ringwald going back and going, I find it offensive. And I, yeah, we get it, dude. Everybody knows that yeah. you couldn't make that movie today. But Everybody let me knows. But right. did she give the money back? Right. But I don't think she should give the money back if she has a problem with it. But what she, if she really was thinking about it, she would have said all this shit way ahead of when it was fashionable. 1984. Right? Yeah. You know? I mean, this or, is when or it came any out. time in between then yeah. and when Rose McGowan was like, all right, here's what's what. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And Rose McGowan, again, took a huge payout. Which, yeah. Bob, that's the thing that bothers me the most. It's like, you, you don't like when people don't honor their contracts. It's, well, I mean, it's. <laughs> Uh, Who does exactly? Who does? Uh-oh. I just think it's kind of you know. Oh, now you're now you're jumping on, mm-hmm. but you took the money. You no, know, we've always hated bandwagoners. Yeah. Jump on a bandwagon, fuck you, yeah. fuck you. Who cares? You well, know? especially if you sort of jump on like uh, Asia Argento, having those skeletons in Ooh. your closet, like. What a dangerous game to yeah. play. Like, you should be like, hey, I'm totally behind you guys, but I'm not really going to put myself out there as the face of it because of this thing that I haven't <laughs> mentioned, you know, where I'm doing exactly the same thing that I'm like uh, castrating these guys yeah. for, like publicly. It's, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway. she was also okay. with uh, Bourdain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I interrupted you. You were saying something profound. Uh, yeah. I was about to tell you how. How um, before we get out of here, I want to tell you how alcohol positively influenced my life. Good, that's the answer I've been looking for. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I was right around that same age, fourteen. I was working at the restaurant, Mike Connor's restaurant. I'm oh sure yeah, you remember it, Connor? Sure. And it was sort of like right down by the beach. It was like a block away from the beach. So at night, we would leave me and my fellow dishwashers. Uh, and we would generally get a case of beer, go down after work, sit on the beach, drink, talk, whatever. And one time I was going down there, but I left later than everyone else. So, like, they had already gone to that end of the beach. And uh, I leave the restaurant. I'm, I, I turn onto the beach and I'm walking, and I see a girl. I'll tell you her name uh, later on. I see a girl who's a waitress there. Now, if I'm 14, she's 18, 19 tops. I see her giving some guy a blowjob on the beach as I'm walking by. Now, 14. So this is a fucking big deal. I'm like, holy shit. You know, and I go and I tell my friends, let me tell you to this day. And I still see that girl. Every time I see her, I think of her sucking that guy's cock on the beach. First time I ever got to see it live. Not even on myself, on somebody else. Because of booze. Because of booze. Because I was going down the drink. If I was like, 
And if I was, booze if I was took drunk, you there. I would have just went home, and I never would have gotten to see that, and I wouldn't have like have that attachment to this girl. She has no idea. And if I told her, she'd be like, "I'm going to call the police." I got to tell you, I'm rethinking the last 17 years of my life. I can't <laughs> believe the amount of blowjobs and and other public displays of fornication <laughs> I've missed out on because I wasn't on my way to get booze. But it's because yeah. that's you also don't live in Highland, so that that's a that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, in 1983. Yeah. <laughs> Blowjobs everywhere. Yeah, like, Everyone was getting sucked off on street corners. Well, I'd be on my way to the liquor store, blowjob on my way back. I'm seeing a blowjob. <laughs> but again, it's islands. I mean, you could go to church and see a blowjob. So, uh, Well, the Catholic church anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe not the blowjobs we want to witness. Old uh, Timmy getting a little sucky sucky. Oh, man. No fun for Timmy. So so what should our uh, what should our sign-off be, Mike? Like until uh, until the next round. Oh, I got it. I already got it. All right, good enough. Of course he does. Show enough. Until the next round, it's bottoms down. Oh no, God, that's well, I missed this. Perfect. <laughs> I really hope that the, the higher ups at AMC just heard that because that is fucking season eight worthy. Thank you. Man. Until Lord. the next round, it's bottoms, bottoms down. down. Brian Johnson, you're a genius, <laughs> gentlemen. Thank you so much for indulging this. Uh, walk down memory lane and uh, <laughs> well, especially see, for Brian react. Brian's like I'm gonna go jerk off now yeah, I, man, I just or, thought or about looking for, I'm gonna go go buy some beer or something maybe I'll see somebody blowing <laughs> someone else on the way <laughs> thanks I'm for s- having me boys not at all I'm swinging through Highlands myself next there you uh, go. couple of hours but uh, Brian give us our sign off uh, until the next round it's bottoms down